Well, we are in a, conver- or in a series on prayer called Conversations with God. And as a church, we're, we're praying for five things. And I want to encourage you to pray for these things throughout the week. Pray for our new pastor, not, not, my, success, or not my replacement, my successor. We want to pray for our giving this holiday season towards our missions. We're asking God to double it because of the pandemic. We want to be praying also for ourselves, some area in our life. And we want to be praying for others, who we can invite to our Christmas and holiday season messages online and and here at church. And then finally, we want to be praying for uh, where we can serve because the purposes of God don't stop due to a pandemic. God wants us to continue to serve and there's lots of needs out there. Now, like I said, we're in a series called Conversations with God. And today we're going to talk about what I call a complete prayer. Do you remember the pop group back in the 60s and 70s, The Fifth Dimension? They had songs like Up, Up, and Away, or and Stone Soul Picnus. But my favorite one was Aquarius. This is the dawning of the age of Aquarius, age of Aquarius. Come on, sing it, Aquarius. (laughs) You can tell why I'm not a part of the worship team, okay? Every time I heard the name of that group, I thought, what is the fifth dimension? Well, the first dimension is two points and a line between it. It's a line, basically. You add a third point up, it's a triangle, is a second dimension. You add a fourth point, it's kind of like a box. That's the third dimension. It's got height and depth and, and breadth to it. The fourth dimension is time. The fifth dimension was talked about in the 1920s with some Germans, and this is what they said. An attempt to unify the four fundamental forces in nature. Strong nuclear forces, weak nuclear forces, gravity, and electromagnetism. It's a mathematical theory, the fifth dimension. It's not directly observable. The fifth dimension is about mathematics. And it's not observable. Well, let me tell you what is observable. You and your lifestyle. You are going in many, many different directions. And if you're being pulled in many directions, you need a multi-dimensional prayer. You need a 5D prayer. Because a one-dimensional prayer, folks, is ineffective. In fact, it's unbiblical. This weekend, I want us to take a look at the idea of praying a complete prayer, a 5D prayer. And in order to do that, i got to lay some more groundwork. There are two fundamental truths that you need to understand. The first one is simply this, that God is a multidimensional God. You can't put him in one, two, or three dimensions. He is multidimensional. If I'm going to teach you to pray, and to pray in a way that is fulfilling and fruitful, where you're being drawn by grace and not driven by guilt, It will happen as you understand prayer, but more importantly, as you understand 
God. The more you understand about God, the better your prayer life is going to be, the more effective it's going to be, the more fruit you're going to see, the more you're going to be drawn by grace and not driven by guilt. And to understand God right, you've got to understand that he is multidimensional. And you see this in a number of ways. In fact, will you write this down? You see it in God's creation. You look around you and you see a world or a universe of multi-dimensions. Some of them you are aware of. Others of them, many of them, you are not. This is what the Bible says about creation in Romans 1:20. Since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen in what has been made, so that men are without excuse. When you look at the world, you can learn a lot about God. And one of the things that you learn is that he is complex. Take a look at your body, which he created. Guess what? It's complex. Folks, we don't even understand our bodies. How in the world can we understand the complexity, the multidimensionality of God? We can't. God said this to, to, to Job in Job 11. Can you fathom the limits and bounds of the greatness and power of God? The sky is no limit for God, but it lies beyond your, your reach. God knows the world of the dead, but do you know it? God's greatness is broader than the earth and wider than the sea. So we know that God is a multi-dimensional God as we look at his creation. The second way that we understand that God is multidimensional is through Jesus. Jesus' incarnation. The Word became flesh. Take a look at uh, John 1, verse 14. The Word became a human being and lived among us. We saw his glory, and he was full of grace and truth. The fact that God can be God, that God can become a man, and that God can come to earth, it means that he is multi-dimensional. He didn't have any problem in doing that. He did it like that, okay? If God wanted to communicate to ants, guess what? He would have become an ant, and he could have done that. If God wanted to communicate to cows, he would have become a cow, and he could have done that. But God wanted to communicate to us. He wanted a relationship with us, and so he became a human being. This is multidimensional aspect of God. Take a look at Hebrews 13, verse 8. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Do you know anybody like that that's a human being? I don't think so. Folks, I've seen some of you for 32 years, and you have changed a lot. <laughs> and by the way, so have I. So what is this saying here? Simply this, that Jesus isn't bound by space and time. Take a look at Revelations 1, verse 4. Grace and peace to you from him who is and who was and who is to come. This doesn't describe you. It's not like you were, you are, or you will be. Jesus is multidimensional. Thirdly, will you write this down? We see it in how the Holy Spirit moves and operates. Take a look at John chapter 3, verse 8. 
The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you don't know where the wind comes from or where it's going. That's the way it is with everyone born of the Holy Spirit. In essence, he's saying here is you can't put the Holy Spirit in a box. The Holy Spirit moves in dimensions that you and I can't move in. We move in the visible. The Holy Spirit moves in the invisible. The Holy Spirit is multidimensional. Take a look at what God uh, told Job about the Holy Spirit in Job chapter 9. He does wonders that cannot be understood. He does so many miracles that cannot be counted. When he passes me, I can't see him. And when he goes by me, folks, I don't recognize him. And so the Father is multidimensional. The Son is multidimensional. The Holy Spirit is multidimensional. Now, I'm sure none of this has taken you by surprise. Folks, we know these things. But here is the second fundamental truth that we need to understand. And that is, because God is multidimensional, I'm never alone. Because God is in every dimension of my life, all the time, in my past, in my present, in my future, here, there, everywhere, in heaven, on earth, in, my, in, in the physical world, in the spiritual world. He is multidimensional, and he is in your world. If you've said yes to Jesus Christ, he's in you. He's in you, he's around you, he's above you. Why? Because he's multidimensional. Notice what David said in Psalms 139. Where can I go to escape from you? Where could I ever get away from your presence? If I went up to heaven, you'd be there. If I lay down in the world of the dead, you'd be there. If I flew away beyond the east or lived in the farthest place in the west, you'd be there to lead me. You'd be there to help me. I could ask the, I could, I could ask the darkness to hide me, but even darkness is not dark for you, and the night is, is as bright as the day. Darkness and light are the same to you. Now let me give you a little tip. Never try to play hide-and-seek with God because he's everywhere that you try to hide. He is yesterday, he's in yesterday, today, and forever. He's at the beginning of your life, he's there with you during your life, and he will be there with you at the end of your life and beyond. And that, folks, ought to encourage us. Now, you may be sitting here and you may be thinking, okay, George, those are two fundamental truths about God, and I kind of got that. What in the world does that have to do with prayer? A lot. Because God is in every dimension of your life. Folks, you can talk with him about every dimension of your life, and he will understand it. When you are frustrated with how your computer is operating, guess what? He understands it. When you can't get to the next level in Candy Crush, guess what? He understands how you could, okay? God is multidimensional, and you are not alone. So let's get this very practical. Because God is multidimensional, you certainly don't want to have a one-dimensional prayer. You want to have a complete prayer. You want to have a 5D prayer 
prayer. Today, I want to take you deeper in your prayer life than maybe you have ever gone before. And then at the end of our time, as I talk about these five five aspects of prayer, we're going to have communion and we're going to pull it all together. Now, the first dimension when I pray is this. I look backward at the cross. When you start your prayers, don't start them with your fears and your problems. Start them with what you're grateful for that has happened in your past. And what has happened in your past is the cross. You want to start with the cross because you want to start with an attitude of gratitude, of how deeply you're loved, how costly sin and evil is, and how completely you've been forgiven of those things. Take a look at 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 18. God paid a ransom to save you from the empty life. He paid for you with the precious lifeblood of Christ, the sinless, spotless lamb of God. How do you know what something is worth? By what a person is willing to pay for it. How much are you worth? Just look at the cross. The Son of God became the Son of Man so that the sons of men could become the sons of God. He did for you what you could not do for yourself. That's how much you are worth to God. Personally, when I start my morning with prayer, I always start with an attitude of gratitude, of thanking God that he loves me and that he has forgiven me. Now you might think, George, how do you do that in relationship to the cross when that happened, I don't know, 2,000 plus years ago? Well, let me give you a little helpful hint if you need some help with this. Listen to some worship songs about the cross. It will help you get in the right mood. Now think about this. All your sins that you have ever committed have all happened in your past. But so is the cross. And God has taken care of your past. He's taken care of your sins that you have committed in your past. Because he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is multi-dimensional. Meaning, You can move into your future with confidence, knowing that you don't want to sin, but you know you will sin. He will even take care of those. Folks, he's multidimensional. And so I look backward to the cross. The second dimension of prayer is I look upward into the face of a loving God. After looking backward at the cross, I look upward into the he- to our heavenly Father's face. And you want to look at God as your Father. Not as your boss, not as your supervisor, not as a dictator, not as a coach. You want to look at him as your Father. Jesus, in his model prayer, said, Our Father, who is in heaven, When Jesus said that, he was helping us to understand the relationship that he wants with us 
And not only that, when he said, call him father, that was radical. Because back then, people didn't call God father. And so in your prayers, address him as father. Because he's asked you to do that. If I asked you to call me PG, you'd do that. Just just to be polite. And God politely has said, just call me father. But you do it as well. Because the way you see God will impact your life more than you realize. It will, de- it will determine how effective and how fruitful you are in your prayer life. On top of that, how you view God and what you say about him sets the tone for your prayer. You see, a lot of people think of God as a loan officer. And they beg him. Some people think of God as, a, as an attorney doing a deposition and they are just scared to death. Or they think of him as a detective doing a lie detector test. Don't do that. Stop calling God, God, and the Lord, the Lord. And sure, God is God and the Lord is the Lord. But first and foremost, think of him as a father. Take a look at Romans 8, 15 through 17. You should not act like cowering, fearful slaves since God's spirit has adopted you as children into God's family. Instead, by his spirit, we simply cry out, Abba, Father. And God's spirit affirms that we really are his children. And since we are now God's child, we're also heirs with Christ and will share in both his suffering and his glory. Folks, it's easy to tell what people think about God just by listening to their prayers, just by listening to how they talk about God. Paul, in this portion of Scripture, out of Romans 8 here, lays out three points about prayer that you can hear in people who enjoy praying because of how they think of God. The first way is this. Will you write this down? It's personal. It says, Abba, Father. On your outlines, you might circle those words. That, the word Abba in the Hebrew is the word for father. It's the first word out of a baby's mouth in the Middle East. It's Abba, Abba, meaning Daddy, Daddy, or Papa, Papa, or Father. This is how God wants to be addressed Because he wants an intimate relationship with you. Uh, Father is, is a term of intimacy. And he has created you for intimacy. You long for intimacy. And so when you come to your father, guess what? You don't have to come to him with a polished prayer. Or a professional prayer. Or a poetic prayer. No, you just come to him in a childlike way to your father and talk to him simply and sincerely. So this week, I want to challenge you. As you're praying over those five things for our church, start your prayer with Papa. Papa God. Or Dada God. Or Father God. Because he's asked us to address him that way. And how you talk about something affects how you think about something. Make it personal and intimate.
Second thing that Paul brings out in this, this passage is that people who enjoy praying are passionate. It says, when we pray, we cry out, Abba, Father. Will you circle that phrase, cry out? This is what I've noticed about babies. In fact, I noticed this about my new grandchild, my new grandson, Dominic, is that they cry a lot. But here's the other thing. They're not embarrassed by it either. They will cry in front of anybody. Are you that way in your prayer life? Or are you more worried about what other people might think? Cry out. Put some umph into it. If you are, I don't know, frustrated, say, God, I'm just frustrated right now. If you're mad, just say, God, I am just ticked at this. Put some emotion in it. When you express your emotions, I'm gonna tell you, God loves it because he is an emotional God and he has given you those emotions and when you use it, it puts a smile on his face. And so there ought to be some things in our life as we're praying that ought to make us happy, that ought to make us mad, and yes, ought to make us sad as well. Put some feeling into it because people who enjoy prayer, Paul says, pray personally and they pray with passion. The third thing is this. Will you write this down? It's a partnership. God wants my prayers to be a partnership with the Holy Spirit. Now, this is going to surprise you. But when you pray, the Holy Spirit is praying with you. Take a look at Romans chapter 8, verse 26. In the same way, the Spirit comes to us and helps us in our weakness. We do not know who pray, who, sorry, we don't know what prayers to offer or how to offer it as we should. But the Spirit himself knows our need and, our, and at the right time intercedes on our behalf with sighs and groans too deep for words. What is Paul saying here? Well, he's saying a number of things. He's saying, first of all, that our Father knows that we have a hard time praying. When I ask someone to pray, a lot of times I say, well, I don't know what to pray. I don't know how to pray. I, I don't even know how to feel about what to pray. But here's the deal. Parents know what their kids are saying. Why? Because that parent is their mommy or their daddy. And they don't get upset when the kid doesn't, I don't know, say it in a way that's intelligible. And God doesn't get upset with you either. And so I say this, just let it out. It doesn't matter. And then Paul says in this same passage that God joins with you and talks to himself about you. And that's not weird because you talk to you about you all the time. In fact, you talk to yourself about yourself more than you talk to anybody else, okay? And so when you talk to yourself about yourself, that's called self-talk. When you talk to God about yourself, guess what? That's called prayer. When God talks to him, himself, it's called self-talk. And when God talks to himself, guess what? That's also called prayer. Let me give you an example of this. Oftentimes after a service, I will have people talk to me and I will talk to them. 
As people are talking to me, I'm talking to me about them. And as they continue to talk to me, I'm not only talking to me about them, but I'm talking to God about them. And if I can do that, folks, it's even easier for God because he is multidimensional. The third dimension of prayer is I look inward to Jesus living inside of me. I pray I pray looking backward at the cross. I pray looking upward to the Father, a loving heavenly Father's face. And then I look inward to Jesus living inside of me. Do you know that if you've said yes to Jesus Christ, that he is living inside of you? He has put his Holy Spirit in you. Now this may shock you. But when you said yes to Jesus Christ, you not only got the Holy Spirit, but folks, you got the rest of the Trinity because you don't get God piecemeal. When you got Jesus, you got the Holy Spirit. And when you got the Holy Spirit, guess what? You got the Father. The Trinity is inside of you. And that is a truth, whether you feel that or not. And so I want you to write this down. All three in me. All three in me. Now, if you haven't said yes to Jesus Christ and established a relationship with him, guess what? They're not inside of you. What's inside of you is you, and that isn't very much. Now, since all of God is in me, folks, and I know that he unconditionally loves me, It gives me freedom to honestly face up to my faults, failures, and my fumbles in life. Why is this? Because I've looked backwards at the cross. And then I've looked upward to the Father's face. And now I look inward to Jesus and some stuff that's in my life that I don't like some secret sins, some hurtful memories, some resentful thoughts. And so I come to God and I say, Father, there's some things that I need help with and I want you to clean house. Take a look at 2 Corinthians 3, or 13, 5. Examine yourself to see if your faith is real and growing. Test yourself. Remember that Jesus is living in you unless you failed your test. In other words, unless you haven't asked Christ into your life. Now let me ask you this. Let me ask us this. Would anybody here like to be better than what they really are? Of course. That's why you're watching this this video right now. Well, you can't get better until you face what needs to be changed and challenged. And there is no change without trust, and there is no trust without truth. And so you got to be honest with God. This is the third dimension of prayer. Take a look at Proverbs 28, verse 13. You will never succeed in life if you try to hide your sins. Confess them and give them up. Then God will show mercy to you. Now I want to explain something here. 
When you begin to be honest with God in your prayer life, it will take you to a whole new level of intimacy with other people. I don't care whether, I don't care how long you've been married. If you've been, you, you may have been married 50 years and never had an intimate relationship with your spouse. Why do I say that? Because sex isn't intimacy. Sex is just the mingling of bodies. Intimacy is the mingling of souls. Where there's transparency, where there's openness, where there is authenticity. Adam and Eve were naked and were unashamed. When you start being honest with God, Folks, I'm going to tell you this. It's going to take you to a new level of intimacy with other people. And everybody craves intimacy, whether they know it or not. And so what you do is that you invite God into your mess. And there are levels of doing this. Sharing your frustrations is one level of intimacy. Sharing your fears is a deeper level of intimacy. And sharing what you don't like about yourself is deeper still. It is saying, into me, see, God. Into me, see. What I just shared with you, folks, most people don't understand. So where do you start in doing this by simply praying and talking to God and saying, Father, produce the fruits of the Spirit in my life. Love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, and self-control. Father, I want, I want to be like Jesus. So we've looked backwards. We've looked upwards. We've looked inward. And now what we do Will you write this down? We look around us. We look around and we ask the Holy Spirit to use us. This is the fourth dimension of prayer. The most dangerous prayer that you could ever pray is two words. Use me. And I dare you to pray that prayer and mean it. Instead of criticizing the world or complaining about the world or judging the world or whining about the world or blogging about the world, just say to the Holy Spirit, God, show me what's wrong and help me to understand how I can make a difference. Use me. This is the fourth dimension of prayer. Now, I don't know who I'm supposed to speak this to. Obviously, someone who's listening. But the world is waiting for your contribution. Folks, we live in a world that is desperately in need of your help. They're in need of your time, your talent, and yes, your treasures. In the way of your time and your talents, folks, we live in a world now because of this pandemic that people are lonely. We have developed a card or a care, or care card ministry 
that you could use. In fact, I want to challenge everyone in this church. We all ought to be writing cards. You can send texts, you can do a phone call, and that's cool. But when someone gets a card, folks, it just takes it to a higher level. And if you're interested, we've got the packets. We've got everything for you. People, the world needs you, your time and your talents. And also, as a church, folks, the world needs our treasures. And we're asking God to double what we normally give towards our mission offerings during this, during the holiday season. We're asking God to do 75,000 amongst us, okay, beyond our normal tithes and offerings. Why? Because of the pandemic. And we will be getting you more information about that in a couple of weeks. This is the fourth dimension. We pray for the world around us, asking the Holy Spirit to use us. Finally, the fifth dimension is I look forward to my future in faith. We've looked backwards, we've looked upwards, we've looked inward, we've looked around us, and now we're looking forward in faith. This is the time to be praying about your future. I do not know a parent who doesn't like to hear their kids talk about their dreams, about what they want to accomplish when they get older in life. God wants to hear your dreams. He wants you to talk with him about your plans, your thoughts, and your ideas, about, about the day ahead of you, about the week ahead of you, about the month ahead of you, about the years that are ahead of you. And so you come to God and you say something like, Abba Father, help me to prioritize what matters most tomorrow. I want to do first things first. Or come to the Father and say, Papa Father, give me energy and strength for this coming week because there's a lot going on that's on my calendar. Or come to the Father and say, Father, I know you got good plans for me. And I know how you've worked in me and I know who I am. Use me for your glory and for your good in the future. Folks, there's a lot of self-help books out there. In one of them that I read, it talked about having a mastermind counsel that, co that, that coach your life. That's a good idea. You and I need a mastermind council of others who will help coach us as we're walking down this road called life. Let me suggest some people that you need on your mastermind council. Three people, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You need the Trinity on your council because if you have them, I guarantee you this, you will make fewer mistakes. Now, you may be sitting there and you may be thinking, well, how, how do they coach me? Well, that's real simple. They have a foolproof manual. All you have to do is read it. And the more you read it, guess what? The more, confidence, more confident you will be about your life and your future. And you'll be more confident in who you are and how God has made you and what he wants to accomplish through you in your lifetime. In fact, God has hardwired your future into you. 
Take a look at Philippians chapter one, verse six. I am confident of this, that God who began a good work in you will continue to complete it until it is finished on the day of Christ Jesus. Folks, he's hardwired it in you and he is going to complete it one day. Why is that? Because God doesn't sponsor flops. You are not a flop. And so talk to God, the Father, about your future in faith. These are five dimensions of what I call a complete prayer. And I share these so that your prayer life is freshened up, so that you can go deeper and be more fruitful and effective as you talk to God in your relationship with him. But guess what? We also see these things in the Lord's Supper or communion or the Eucharist. In 1 Corinthians 11 and in other passages about the Lord's Supper, communion or the Eucharist, it talks about the body and the blood of Christ. That's looking backward at the cross. And then looking upward, it talks about a new covenant, a promise that he has given in his son. For God so loved the world that he gave his son. And we see the love of God in the elements. And then inwardly, it says that we are to examine ourselves. The Holy Spirit's role is to bring to light things that we just need to get open and honest with God about. And then it's about being together and caring for one another because in portions of, of, of the Lord's Supper, it's, uh, it says when you gather together and taking the Lord's Supper, be cognizant of other people. And then it talks about our future. It says one day Jesus is going to come back and he's going to share these elements with us. And so right now, as a church family, I want us just to bow our heads for a moment and just talk with God about the cross, about the Father's love, about what we need to own up to in our life, about the needs that are around us, and about our future. Let's just take a moment and do that, and then we'll take the elements together. Right now, will you take the bread? For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's take the bread. And then get the juice. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. 
drink the juice. For when you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you that you are an awesome God, that you're a God that is multidimensional, a God who has entered into our world that we might understand who you are. And we thank you for what you have done for us, that you have died on the cross for our sins, that in so doing, God, you have shown us that you love us, that you care for us, that we are your most precious possession. And we thank you that no matter who we are, no matter what we've done, you want to be in relationship with us. And we thank you that we know that when we come to you honestly and talk with you about our lives, that you don't reject us, but rather you receive us. And so, God, we thank you for what you have done for us. We thank you that you have made us, that you want to use us for your glory and for other people's good. And that the future that we have because of what you have done for us is a bright one. So we lift this up to you. We thank you for this. In Jesus' name, amen.